Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow and Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It's Murph here. It is the start, or about to be the start, of the free agent uh, to have legal tampering period, and then before, and then literally just a couple of days away from the new league year. So this is a really exciting time of the year and I'm not alone don't worry you don't have to listen to me prattle on for the next 20 to 30 minutes I have brought uh, Rich on with me uh, from the Dynasty podcast Rich how you doing how's your how's your legal tampering day going so far yeah not too bad it's um, yeah it's, it, it started I thought we'd have to wait till sort of this afternoon to get things kicked off but a few deals have already been announced so uh so yeah, look, looking forward to the the chaotic next. What are we talking? Forty hours or so. Yeah, I I love this time of year. I mean, I I flash back immediately to to last year. And if anyone is listening to the shows from last year, I was here on the Monday saying Tampa, no way Breeze comes to Tampa, um, Brady comes to Tampa, no way that happens. Nice things don't happen to Buccaneers. Get announced on the Tuesday that he, he's coming, and I'm like, well, I'll believe it when I see it, and then. Wednesday signs are like yeah but don't worry we're in a pandemic <laughs> the league year's not going to start and then 12 months on we uh you know we have a we have a Lombardi trophy in the cabinet so it, this is such an exciting time of the year because you no matter where you are if you are a team that's cash strapped or if a team that you know is picking one overall and, and lost a lot of games last year 
there's this is the time that your squad starts to come together that you can all get excited about who might be coming into the building and turn you from a three win team to a playoff contender or a seven win team to um super bowl champions so this is the dream right yeah absolutely well i mean look i'm, I'm a jets fan so this is about all i get excited for all year um you know we, we waste a load of money on some big name free agents that then underperform and, and rinse and repeat two years later it's uh it's the cycle of the energy jets fan unfortunately yeah but you do have different gms different head coaches this year and, and maybe that might make a, a slight difference i know it's joe douglas's sort of second year but hopefully we're starting to see a plan come come together for the jets but you know just to explain a little bit about what we're going to do so rich and i are going to do lunchtime ish pods um so spoiler behind the curtain we're recording this about half past one so uh, the legal tampering year or a period opens in the next sort of two and a half hours um, and then we're going to be doing lunchtime pods every day uh, over this week just to catch everyone up because the, the news is catching up so fast and moving so fast we don't want to put out content and it'd be out of date for, for too long and then in the evenings there'll be a combination mostly led by stocks but I'll be chipping in Lee will be chipping in I'm sure there'll be some others as well who will be chipping in um, just to bring up the latest of what's gone on from when Rich and I record to uh, what's going on then. So you're always getting a stream of the latest information. Uh, we have a transactions page up on the website. So that is there where you can view all the latest signings uh, and everything that's going on there. And we've done that for most of March um, already. So you can catch up if you have missed anything. And, and to be perfectly honest, there's a lot of deals that people will miss um because not every deal can get the headlines so it's basically going to catch up what's going on we're going to look ahead we're going to do some speculation um and also do some explaining as best we can between <laughs> yours and my knowledge is rich um so yeah so just let's talk about today and i thought it'd be really good rich because you're you're very savvy with uh, the salary cap and the numbers, We, I thought we would do a little bit of explaining about what to be expected over the next couple of days, talk about what this period we're entering in now, um, and then also have a little discussion around voidable years, because I think that's going to be all the range um, over the next few days. So let, let's tackle these two first. So let's start first of all with, with legal tampering. Um, just for those that probably are getting into the NFL or don't understand how how this period works what's the sort of best way to kind of break this down i guess um the the legal tampering period is you know the the first few days before free agency we, we've only just had the official salary cap number set by the nfl um, which is agreed by the nflpa um, and it's basically the first couple of year a couple of days for agents or players and players agents to essentially start those conversations to try to try and feel out exactly what sort of contract numbers they're going to be getting in theory no contracts are supposed to be agreed in theory no teams are supposed to you know confirm exact numbers with free agents in reality we're going to see specific numbers signed within you know half an hour of legal tampering open essentially yeah, exactly that. So from from four o'clock this afternoon UK time, uh, which is noon mid uh, midday, and, and just so people think that I, I've not made a mistake there, um, the clock's changed in the US overnight. So that's why it's only a four hour time window. So what instead of a normal five to the East Coast. So um, it is four o'clock today that everything opens up. 
Um, and as you say, yeah, from from four, there'll be a stream of deals pouring in because yeah, deals have been agreed for weeks or months. Um, what I will say as well, and what is different is, and we'll talk about a deal that was signed yesterday or like late last night, where players that have been cut and released and are therefore cap casualties actually have the opportunity to sign deals before or regardless of whether it's legal tampering or not. So legal tampering applies to free agents. That is people who are not under contract, who had finished their contract and went into a period of free agency. However, if a player was cut, who was supposed to be under contract in the new uh, league year, but was cut more likely due to salary cap casualties, those players can actually sign deals now. Um, So you will see some deals that will be deals. Um, that will be signed and are completely valid. They'll be ratified in the new league year, but you'll see some deals where deals can be signed now and you'll have some deals that are agreed in principle, but we know exactly as you were saying what they are. Um, so there's a quick distinction. And when we get to that deal and we'll talk about it, that that's why they were able to agree it. So it does have an advantage being cut because you do get a run on free agency and have that opportunity to talk to teams. In terms of voidable years, um, and there was a deal yesterday, and we might as well talk about the deal while we're at it, with Taysom Hill. And we've heard this term voidable years for the last, probably about the last week, 10 days or so. We've seen a few teams use this as a way to free up cap for 2021. So what explain to me why teams would use voidable years and um, in particular why perhaps this Taysom Hill deal is is more eye-catching than potentially some of the other deals that have been signed with voidable years. So the the idea of voidable years is that when a when a contract is signed, you have a signing bonus. And that signing bonus is paid up front to the player. But the idea is, is that it is then prorated over the length of the contract in terms of its cap hit. So if a player signed a five-year contract with a 10 million signing bonus there would be a $2 million cap hit in each of the years that counts against the cap for that signing bonus. Now, what teams are doing at the moment with these voidable years is they're basically creating fake years at the end of the contract in order to kick some money down the road into future years. So say a player was had a two-year deal with a 10-year, $10 million signing bonus, but it had three voidable years at the end, it would still be that two million per year um, cap hit. But obviously only those first two years are actually real years. And then at the end of the first two years, the team has an option of if the player is released or cut or signs with another team, they then get a $6 million hit in the third year because those final three years prorate to that third year. Or if they extend him, they can continue to kick money further down the road. It's, it's basically, and I think the reason why we've seen it so much this year is because we've seen the cap shrink. So it's just a way of teams, particularly the Saints, who love nothing more than kicking future money down the road. Um, it's a way of essentially borrowing against future years cap hits in order to essentially have, have more players and, and a higher salary cap number in this year, if that makes sense. Yeah, and and the thing to understand here is the concept itself 
maybe the voidable years is, is very unusual because that's something that hasn't been used too much. But this concept of staggering out signing bonuses over years and kicking money into future years isn't a particularly new or novel way of of managing cap. As as we mentioned, that you know, you mentioned that the Saints have been doing this for for years. Um, but typically, how it how it would work is a player would be asked to restructure their deal. And what they would do is basically take the amount that they're guaranteed. This is a typical example uh, on their base salary. So say 10 million. And what the teams would try and do is reduce that base salary down from 10 million down to 2 million and then give the player that 8 million difference as an example, as a signing bonus. Now, what that means to the player is absolutely nothing. The player goes from getting 10 million paid this year to getting 10 million paid this year because the signing is is done at signing. So it, the player gets absolutely no detriment to him at all. He gets that money regardless um, and gets it at the same time. So there's nothing. In fact, I think if anything, he gets it sooner because it's a signing bonus as opposed to a salary. So he'll actually receive more of that money up front, but effectively you'll get it in the same year. But the, but the difference with why teams would do that is they will then, as you say, convert that signing bonus and spread it out over the remaining years of, of contract. So that's why you see restructured contracts done in that way. But as you're saying, with avoidable years, this is a new way to add basically a load of money into fake fake years that and don't the exist. NFLPA is, the NFLPA has come out and said that they're, they're in favour of it because it's essentially benefiting their players because instead of having a salary cap of... 182.5 million per team because you're borrowing off future years cap with this avoidable years thing the the current players are getting more money than they should do because they're borrowing off future years and, and if that continues to happen all that's happening is the players are getting more money now and and the money will still be there in future years it's just kicking the can down the road yeah and i think there's a couple of different ways to to do this in terms of we saw it first of all, and the, the, the notable one was the Dak Prescott deal. Um, this was done just again, just to get Dak's number in 2021 much lower to give them some additional cap room. But his deal then does spread out to respectable numbers the rest of the way. So his this voidable deal isn't with the amounts of money that Dak is getting paid. The amount left over on his voidable deal via signing bonus aren't really going to make a massive impact to the to to the Cowboys unless, you know, they lose him in the open market in, in four years' time. And then, obviously, they're still going to be paying for him after he's gone. But the dead money compared to a quarterback is not it's, – it's high, but it's not ridiculously unmanageable. The Buccaneers did this with, with Brady, where they have done this again. So his cap number this year is very, very low. So they can try and re-sign all their free agents. They're in a Super Bowl window. They pushed a lot of money out into next year. No doubt, I think they will probably do something about moving it next year into 2022. But again, the idea is that most of this money that Brady has, has accrued through this voidable years, most of it will be paid by 2022. And then there'll be a little bit left over. But again, not an unmanageable amount of money. The interesting thing with this Taysom Hill deal is he was, you know, if you look at the particulars on paper, he signed a four-year, $140 million contract. And what it really is, is a a one-year, $12.1 million contract. And I guess the thing that, that makes 
me really sit up and laugh at this deal more than anything is why did they put such big numbers in there that essentially didn't matter? Because I don't, this is the part I'm scratching my head with is they didn't need, they, they could have just signed him to, you know, like 5 million a year, voidable, but they made it. So he's, he's, you know, average per year is $35 million, which makes him as paid as about as much as Russell Wilson, but he's never going to see any of that money. It's not a real transaction. Yeah. It's, it's completely mind blowing because as you said, you know, they, if they needed to put a number on it in case he suddenly became the starting quarterback and they wanted a contract in place that they could play him under, I'm fairly sure Taysom Hill would have signed a four year, $25 million a year contract. Why did it have to be $35 million for this sort of fake number? It just, it seems ridiculous, but as we said, it, it doesn't really matter. It could have been $500 million for four years for, for all it cares, is that he's never going to see that money. He's never going to see that contract. He's never going to play under that contract. It is a one-year restructure that they will then look at, you know, if he's the starting quarterback at the end of next year, they'll sign him to a new contract. And if he's not, They'll they'll move on and, and go in other avenues as such. It's it, I just enjoy the the reporting of it because it is absolutely mind blowing. Well, the thing is, you have to kind of wait with these deals. As to I was laughing at it, I saw and I obviously knew he wasn't going to be making four years worth of money for one hundred and forty million. Like I knew that was not going to be the case. But I thought they'd somehow given him a huge signing bonus. So I thought that he's going to be on the cap money for quite a lot of money over the next couple of years. Um, And then you look at it and you think, so it's gone from being a four-year, $140 million contract to it's a one-year, $12.1 million restructure, effectively, because he was under contract anyway. And they save about $8 million in cap by pushing it out into future years. But again, it's not a ridiculous cap number it's only going to be a ridiculous dead hit dead cap number if he's not the starting quarterback if he's the starting quarterback in a year's time and they restructure it or they re-sign him or redo his deal then that dead cap charge is worth it because it's not a great amount of money whereas if he is a player who is off the roster in a year's time that's just more dead cap because they've already carried the dead cap from breeze that they're going to have they're effectively paying quarterbacks that aren't on their team upwards of you know 12 13 million to not be on the team which if you keep doing that as an exercise it makes it very difficult to to try and challenge it's it's i i i will never ever understand how the saints are able to continue to keep Cap, cap space down the road and every year I think oh this will be the year that they kind of get found out and I was really looking forward to this offseason because I was like that you know the Saints were at one point 100 million over the cap and I was like there's no way they can get down they're going to have to cut loads of big name guys they're going to be rubbish next year Drew Brees is going to retire and then they've somehow just managed to kick even more money down the road and I think it's I think in 2023 they're going to have cap hits of $8 million for Drew Brees and Taysom Hill with neither of them under contract. Yeah. And it's like, I just, how can that, that be allowed to happen? How can that work? I just, I can't get my head around it to be honest, but the Saints seem to do this every year. And I've never known a franchise that is able to continually mortgage the future for the current year and then redo it again next year. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. And I, I think what this is going to do now, 
is I f- would not be surprised in a, in a year, two years time, they say you can only put a certain percentage of your cap of, in future years. And I, I, I guess it's hard because it's a moving cap number. You can't say uh, it's going to be 20% of the cap and then you work on projections. <laughs> but I think they are going to get to a point where they're going to cap how much money you can put into future years because of this this fact of you've got a team who are artificially creating cap and it's basically like credit card debt. It's going to spiral out of control. As you say, there were a hundred million over the cap. They've reduced that figure down. They're still over the cap, but not by much now. And it's going to get to the point where the, the longer teams continue to do this, it's not just the, it's not just the off the field implications. It's the on the field um, implications because at some point you've got to pay the piper, which means you're going to have a team that's put out there at some point in theory that isn't going to be good enough to compete. And the fans are the ones that will pay. So they're the ones that pay all this money. They're the ones that contribute to the significant incomes that the NFL gets. And they might be paying to watch a team that of, of no hopers because they have to sit there and eat this money one year. And I think that will be a great shame if that ever happens. Yeah, I guess the, the only kind of saving grace that perhaps the Saints, and I know it was talked about when Dak signed his deal, is that there's obviously this new TV contract that, depending on who you listen to, has either been signed or is in the final stages of being signed. Um, and I think that from, from by all accounts, it's going to be a massive number. There's obviously the extra weeks of, of TV revenue from the extra game. Um, and if that suddenly sees a 20, 30 million spike in the cap, it could you know solve all of these teams issues and and suddenly there's cap space flying around everywhere yeah of course so let's look at the next four or five days as we've mentioned the tampering window is yet to be open there is some bits of deals that we'll get to in a minute but what are you uh expecting to see over the next four to five days in terms of potential free agent landing spots in terms of the kinds of deals that we could be expecting to see are you expecting to see any sort of trades or big movements or are you thinking for this year it could be something that's perhaps more quiet than we're used to seeing because it's been more about the cuts and and less about the acquisitions i'm i'm expecting the first couple of days to be quieter than traditional um because i think there's we've we've not had the combine this year which is where a lot of agents are, are already starting their conversations We've obviously got a reduced cap number. I think there's going to be a few teams that are eyeing sort of those essentially trying to get bargains. And I don't think anyone wants to be the first person that goes out and blows a load of money. And then in a week's time, there's going to be a load of teams that, that are getting absolute bargains. Now, having said all of that, I, all, I, I think that, but I'm, I'm convinced that there's going to be a few teams that have got some, you know, some cap burning in their pocket and are going to go and sign some ridiculous deals that, look ridiculous at the time and are going to look even more ridiculous in a couple of days. So I think that, yes, it will be quieter, but there'll still be a few of those big names that get signed quite quickly. Yeah, I'm probably very similar to you on that. Although I do think a lot of teams are going to consider more about trying to re-sign their free agents. I think you're going to see more players or more teams this year try and re-sign free agents than ever before. Because I think there's always been this um, thought of it's okay if a player goes we'll get another replacement in and I think actually there'll be a lot of teams looking at continuity thinking we can't really afford to gamble with the way that the market is right now 
So perhaps we're trying, we're, we're better off trying to get in the players that we know and put up with it for a year or two years and then, and then let things recess. I know that, well, and, and from different standpoints, let's look at the 49ers. They're desperate to re-sign as many of their free agents as they can. And they re-signed one yesterday. Um, we know that the the Buccaneers are in a Super Bowl window. They are more focused on re-signing their free agents. I mean, Shaq Barrett is the big ticket item there. Um, and that looks like that deal will probably get done. Um, which, if that's the case, most of their free agents will have been re-signed. A few will go. Leonard Fournette will probably be the biggest name. But most of them will probably get redone. Um, you've got other play, other teams that are really focused on trying to free up cap for this big free agency push. And then you've got others who we actually don't know. So let's, let's break into that. And let's look at, first of all, I, I've sort of put seven teams here who I think are cash rich. And your Jets are in here because you're very cash rich. Um, so we've got here, and I've taken these numbers off, off spot rack this morning. So... We've got the Patriots sitting at over $71.75 million free. Jags a little over $70 million. The Jets just under $70 million. We've got the Chargers sitting on $51.2 million. The Colts a little over $48 million. The Bengals a little over $44 million. And the Raiders just short of $41 million. You're, obviously, if you follow the Jets, you're closest to the Jets. What's your gut telling you about all these teams? But I'm I'm also really interested in what you think about the Jets, given how how closely you follow them, because they are a fascinating team in this in this in this yeah. landscape. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I'd take those seven teams and I'd sort of put them into three pots in terms of I think you've got the Chargers and Colts, which are you know probably a couple of moves away from being true contenders, and I'm really fascinated about what sort of approach they go for. Are they going to go out? Do they see themselves being one or two players away? And are they going to go out and, you know, could the Chargers go out and spend money for someone like a Jay Thune or, or someone like that? Could the Colts go out and get a Kenny Golladay and really spend a lot of money early and go and get that top stud, which those two teams traditionally haven't been massive players in the sort of big name free agent market. I then think you've got, what I would call the the kind of rebuilding teams in the Jets, the Jags and the Bengals who have realistically all going to have young rookie QBs or, or kind of sophomore QBs that have got some money. And I think we've seen over the past few years, those teams, and trust me, I know it as a Jets fan, where going out and spending a lot of money in free agency around your rookie QB in that first year isn't always the best thing because it sort of accelerates that that sort of time scale and you sort of get ahead of yourself slightly. And then when the, the kind of the contracts are due, you're almost having to then look at rebuilding. We saw it with the Jags where they went out and spent an obscene number of, of money on, on the sort of the, the stud um, on the defense side of the ball with the Malik Jackson, Claire's Campbell, AJ Boyer, that kind of thing. And then by the time the offense had sort of, you know, the, obviously the QB wasn't, wasn't, wasn't what they'd hoped he would be. But it, it sort of the time gets the timescale all confused. So I'm very intrigued to see if those guys are going to go out and sign some of the younger players. You know, could we see someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster, who is a free agent but obviously still very young, go and be a target for one of those guys rather than a Kenny Golladay, who's three, four years older than Juju? 
Um, and I think in the, the kind of the third pool, I'll, I'll chuck the Patriots because I find I think the Patriots for me are the most fascinating team this off season. You've got a team that for years has had a stable quarterback situation. There's question marks there. Is you know Cam's obviously re-signed his deal. Is he going to be the long-term answer? But you've also got a team in the Patriots that traditionally don't go and spend big in free agency. They might go and buy one player, you know, since Stefan Gilmore deal we saw when they signed Darrell Rivas the year before they won the Super Bowl. But they've also been so worried about the um, compensatory picks as well, in that they don't want to spend big in free agency because they love getting those comp picks and they're going to get a, you know, a couple of high-priced picks in, in this draft because of the, the free agency situation last year. But then they've got to go and spend some money and there's no obvious players to re-sign except perhaps Joe Thune. Um, so I'm really fascinated as to, to what the Patriots are going to do. Are they going to go out and spend big? Are they going to, you know, just re-sign their, their kind of guys and, and try and build for kind of start again as such? It's an interesting one. And then the signing of Cam Newton makes that interesting because it's a case of are the Patriots basically just accepting their fate this year and going, we've re-signed Cam to a deal because we know we're not going to get the quarterback that we need. Or do they think with Cam they can actually really make a push if they get the right players around him? So I think you're right. I think they're fascinating. For me, the reason why the Jets are fascinating is because I think the Jets, to me, are still the ones in the draft that are the pivot point of the draft. Um, Them and Miami are the two. So for me, it's all about do they go QB at, at two or do they go offensive line? And so if the Jets tip hand here and go and sign an offensive lineman in free agency, that is, to me, the signal that they're going to draft quarterback in the draft. And I've always been of the belief they're going to draft Sewell. I still think that now because I think you're not going to be in the position of getting Trevor Lawrence and allowing a couple of late wins in the season to do that and to pass on getting Trevor Lawrence for nothing, which makes me just think that with the front office that I think they're probably a little bit more confident on Darnold than they're perhaps letting up. But it's an interesting one, isn't it? You're, you're close to the team than I am. It's just, I'm just looking at it from observations and obvious yeah. nature, but I, I think, think if, if they go inside a free agent offensive lineman here, and obviously the, the standout here is Trent Williams. I, I don't necessarily think that the Jets will sign Trent Williams, but there is a good few tackles here. That If they do decide to spend on tackles here, then that makes me think they are going QB. If they choose to ignore the offensive line completely, it makes me think that actually they're going to, they're going to draft one. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, the tackle's probably not even in the conversation because I think you've got Beckton, who's your, you know, he, he was fantastic last year as your left tackle. They've got George Fant under contract this year for nine million. Um, and I can't see us going and signing another tackle and be willing to pay Fant nine million to essentially be a swing tackle. So I, th- I think it's highly likely that we're going to go out and spend some money at guard because we've got, apart from Alex Lewis returning, we've not really got any what I would class as kind of average guards, let alone above average guards. So I think that 
I wouldn't be shocked if we went and spent a lot of money on someone like a Joe Thune and go out and get that studge. You're also taking him off the Patriots, which is weakening a you know a division foe. Um, but I, I do think that the offensive line is is a massive question mark. But I don't necessarily think that we're going to go out and get a tackle, which is where I know we've had a couple of conversations. I just don't see us going Saul at, at two. I think to me the, the answer is we either draft the quarterback or we trade back. And I don't know if that trade back is is there. I know there's rumours about people, you know, like the Panthers wanting to move up. But I just don't think that tackle is as high a need as there are at other positions. I would much rather see us move back and go and get, you know, a corner or a wide receiver, an edge rusher in the first round rather than a tackle. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's so many different ways, and I think you're right. I think it's interesting to see what will happen. I just, for me, I'm looking for clues with because you look at all, all these other teams that are cash rich here. The Patriots, I think, we're just in this sort of stagnation zone right now until something changes, and I don't think it's going to change this year. Jags wouldn't shock me what they do. We kind of know what they're doing in the draft. Jets, we don't have a clue. Chargers, we know they need to get better on both lines. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what they do here. They might even go tight end in free agency. But do you think Hunter Henry could be coming back? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think if they if they were going to go that way, I think it, it would have been done by now. Yeah. I think it was interesting that they tagged him last year. And then, you know, they, they were in an interesting cap situation where they've had loads of money for ages, but they had a lot of big name free agents. Yeah. You know, they've, re- they've re-signed Bosa. They've redone Keenan Allen's deal. They've, they've obviously got Melvin Ingram not, um, that, that could potentially be walking. Will, will they be willing to kind of sign him to a, a one, two-year deal and kind of keep that pass rush duo together? Haywood's I, gone now. Like yeah. they, They've got a few that are leaving, and it, it, it's an interesting one to see what they do over the next, the next few years, um, well, especially this window. But I think I look at tight end for them. And I think we've, you've got a brand new coaching staff in there. You've got a brand new philosophy being built in there. I don't think they need to invest big, big money at tight end. And that's what Hunter Henry, and I still don't think Hunter Henry is the answer. Um, highly touted player who has a lot of injuries, who he has not shown for me, Hunter Henry, that he is an elite tight end. And I think if you have the option of getting someone like Jonu Smith cheaper, who has shown he has those boom and bust games. But the fact that he has the boom games tells you that it's in his locker. It's more about getting that out of him more consistently. I don't think I've seen that from Hunter Henry. I don't think I've seen a game where he has dominated. There could be players in the Zach Ertz fiasco of what's going on. There's a few different things with the Chargers. They're, they're an interesting team. I think all these teams that have got money, I think, with the exception of the Patriots, because I just genuinely don't know what the Patriots are going to do. I think you'll see some real money being spent by these teams. It's just be interesting to see where they are. But let's look at the cash trap teams, because we've got four teams, as it stands right now, still over the cap. And to explain why that's important is that by nine o'clock UK time on Wednesday night, every team has to be under the cap. So there's some teams that are over the cap by a couple of million and can adjust and get there. 
There's one team in particular that really stands out that got a lot of work to do. But there's six teams that have a million in camp space or less. And so they're the Rams, first of all, who have 32.1 million they need to shed within the next 48 hours. The Eagles have eight and a half million. The Falcons, 8.25 million. The Saints have a little over three million. But that does include some money against Breeze's salary this year, which isn't payable. So it's actually closer to two million. The Bears are pretty much on the money. They have 90 grand. (laughs) And then Green Bay have uh, a little over a million dollars in cap space. So are are we fair to say that in this, this open window that we're not going to be expecting too much from these teams, except for maybe the Saints with a quarterback. And we kind of all think we know which way that's going to go. But do you think any of these teams are really going to be making a big splash in in free agency? And, and if so, how, how are they going to be able to do it? Well, I, I can't see any of these teams being big players. I think, you know, you might see a few of them perhaps try and retain their own guys. Um, I think, I think that Green Bay are still desperate for a receiver and I could see them going out and signing, you know, I've I've been banging the table for Corey Davis to the Packers for for the last two months and I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, they can go and sign him to sort of nine, ten million a year deal and rearrange things around internally, you know, maybe kick some money down the road so that they can bring somebody in. Um, But with the other guys, you know, looking at it, you said the Rams are 32 million over the cap. They've, you know, the obvious thing that they could do is redo Matt Stafford's contract because he's due 20 million this year and he's 20 million against the cap, but he's got no dead cap. So they could completely kick almost all of that money into future years and save themselves a huge amount of cap space. But they've already come out and said they're not going to do that. So I, I don't really know where else looking at their cap sheet, what they're going to do, unless, you know, we see a Saints like situation where they just sign people to a new deals with a load of new voidable years and and completely kick that cap space down the road yeah i mean the only the only players they can do that with is aaron donald and Jalen ramsey they're the two biggest um cap hits this season um with uh, donald at a little under 28 million ramsey at 22.5 you could do it with the wide receivers cup or, or woods and they're really the only players whose cap is worth enough um, to to do anything with, I mean, for me, I'd be looking at Robert Woods's contract because his thirteen point eight seven five million he's getting this year, he, it's been restructured once before, um, but his signing bonus is only two hundred grand. So th- this is one of those examples where you could shove ten million into future years, eight million into future years, because he's got such a little signing bonus as it stands right now that there's little risk to that, but. Yeah, I think they're in a really interesting situation, the Rams. I don't quite know how they're going to be doing anything in the next 48 hours to try and get under that. But I guess we're going to find that one out um, ever so ever so soon. But the Bears, there's a lot of talk about Russell Wilson. I just don't see it. I just don't see, especially with the cap and falls under contract. I'm just not sure how that's going to work. Um, unless they get falls off the books, maybe. I think that with the the whole Russell Wilson situation, I've not understood it from day one in terms of he's trying to, yes, I get force some sort of leverage, trying to force his way out potentially. But 
they they've got he's got no leverage. So unless the Seahawks receive an absolute kind of godfather offer of you know we're talking three, four, five first round picks, why why are they going to trade him? And I I don't see the Bears willing to give up that level of assets for a quarterback. And you know we can talk about it as much as we like. It's not a Deshaun Watson situation where he's you know saying he doesn't want to pay for the franchise anymore. It's just a couple of rumours of. Or maybe he's a little bit unhappy. Maybe he wants more control. I just don't see him getting traded unless it's a massive, massive deal. I also don't know why you'd want to go to the Bears. I don't. I don't see that as an as an attractive landing spot right now. Um, I don't know. It'd be an interesting one to see what happens. But I'm with you. I think that gets resolved. There are some teams here I, I'm really interested in um, because I think they're dark horses because they don't have no money they don't have loads of money but they have enough to where they can really make a difference one of those is seattle um but you got dallas arizona tennessee and houston there for me these are the real sort of along with the patriots like the dark horses here because they will have between 17 and a half and 21 and a half million between them uh each sort of um that kind of money what do you think about those teams and do you have any predictions or ideas of what those teams are, are going to be doing in this window, because I, I think they're the five sort of most interesting teams based on where they are making a playoff run, needing a few pieces, except for Houston, who are obviously in sort of a bit of limbo, but they're under a new coaching staff with no a real amount of talent on the roster. They need to do something to convince Deshaun to stay. So what what do you sort of think? I, I, to be honest, I think all five of these teams and I get why you've highlighted them because I think all of them are pretty much going to go all in for this year for, for a range of different situations. I think that Seattle with all, you know, the rumors going around about Russell, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them go and spend some money on that defensive line. Um, you know, obviously Carlos Dunlap was released. I do wonder if that was almost a, a leverage play to try and get him back on a cheaper deal. Um, but I think they're going to, whether it be a, you know, another edge rusher or perhaps another corner, I think they're going to be, big players in that sort of top tier defensive market. Dallas, you know, Dallas, Dallas are always in for a big splash play, aren't they? Um, we've obviously seen them re-sign Dak. Are, are they going to go out and spend some money on that defense, which is, you know, quite frankly, woeful. Um, I think it'll be very interesting to see if, again, they're, they're shopping for similar types of players to Seattle and they could do with another edge rusher and they could do with about five corners, to be honest. Um, Arizona, you know, they they kind of made made their f- first moves in sort of bringing in JJ Watt. Does that now mean that they're going to be sort of a, a veteran home with all these guys who are you know coming towards the end of their career and, and just want to win a chip? Does that mean that they're seeing Arizona as that place that they could go and play with Kyler on a rookie deal and you know win win one nice nice last title in in let's be frank quite quite a nice environment. But I've still got serious question marks about that coach Tennessee. You know, very interesting team in terms of obviously lost their offensive coordinator, realistically going to lose their kind of wide receiver two in terms of Corey Davis. But they were a good team last year with the exception of their pass rush. They, they couldn't develop any sort of pass rush at all. It was completely woeful. You, they tried the Jadavian Clowney kind of experiment. That didn't work. Are we going to see him try something similar in terms of bringing in one of these high-priced, big-name guys to, to try and generate some sort of spark there. And finally, Houston, I mean, who knows? I think that they're going to try and go 
all in to win this year because that's the only way they can try and get Deshaun Watson back on board, I think, is building a really good team for him to come and play with. How they're going to go about doing that, I have no idea. I can't imagine if you're a free agent, you know, why are you going to go and sign a two, three, four-year deal in Houston if the quarterback's wanting out, you know, the face of the franchise and JJ Watt's just been released. I certainly wouldn't want to go play there. So I think it'll be very interesting to see if they can encourage people to come in the door or are they going to have to overpay in order to get people in the door? Yeah, I, I think they're all very interesting points and, and interesting spots. And I think anything can kind of happen. I think you touched upon something there I wanted to expand upon, which was this thought of signing longer term deals. I think you're going to see a lot of two year deals in this uh, in this environment. I think you're going to see not quite the prove it deals. You're always going to get prove it deals, but I think you're going to get a lot of two year deals from players who are question marks still in the league. And Corey Davis fits perfectly in there for me uh, of players who haven't really done enough to warrant a big time contract. And I can't see teams giving them a big time contract. So I can see these sort of for a player like Corey Davis, like a two year, 12 mil guarantee kind of contract those sorts of numbers um because it's a win-win for all parties it's a case of we're not going to give you the prove it deal because we do want you we're going to be in prime position to re-sign you when the cap goes up if you land and do your job it gives the player some security but it also gives them an opportunity to if it really happens for them they can hit the market in two years time and get that big payday that they're really looking for so i think it's going to be a nice compromise between these prove it deals of one year four million one year five million one year seven million deals and these sort of really sort of big long-term deals with um lots of years that could be cut for with not a lot of guarantee so these four year 40 million dollar deals with 25 million guaranteed and nothing payable that are front loaded and not much payable in the back end which doesn't give the player any real security um these kind of deals of take it where you are two year 15 two year 16 million kind of deals and see where you're at see what you earn if you do a great job we'll obviously try and resign you and if you don't then you have an opportunity to hit the market yeah 100 percent. and i think that if if you're a stud player if you're you know the the top name in free agency why are you going to sign a long-term deal in the year the cap's at its lowest it would make, you know, you've got to be slightly silly if you're going to sign on to a, you know, say Kenny Holiday, is he going to sign a four or five year deal when realistically in a year's time, the cap could quite honestly be 20, 30 million dollars higher. Are we going to see much, much bigger cap space? Could he come and get an even bigger deal next year? So will he sign a one year, 20 million dollar deal now and try and double dip again next year and get a huge payday? Yeah, I, I I will say the one exception to this is, is Shaq Barrett. And the reason I say that, not just because of the Super Bowl, but he's played two years with no guarantee because the first year was a prove-it deal, was a one-year, $4 million deal where he ended up being the sack leader going to the Pro Bowl, and then the next year he's tagged. And so he's rented for the last couple of years I think for him, he's the one that's arguing for that long-term deal because he's not had that for the last couple of years. And he's been playing with that fear of, if I get injured, that's me, I'm done. 
and he hasn't earned the big money. So I think he is the exception. I know that he told the team, I don't want to be tagged and I won't discuss a deal until I'm not tagged. Once you tag someone else, I'll do a deal or I'll talk deal. And I think that's what's happened. That's why Chris Godwin got the tag and not Shaq Barrett. And I think that's why Shaq Barrett is now talking deal because he didn't know if he was going to be tagged or not. But I think he's the exception. I think you're right. I think most players, the only ones I can see really looking at a deal, maybe Bud Dupree will want a deal because, again, he's coming off an ACL. He'll probably be quite happy to take a deal. Um, maybe Tooney might want a deal because, you know, he was on the tag last year. I think anyone that was on the tag last year will probably be quite happy with a deal. I think anyone else, probably not. I also think you could potentially see some guys that perhaps aren't confident that, that you know, they're going to be top players in free agency again next year. So whether that's someone like a Juju Smith-Schuster, who obviously had two phenomenal years to start his career and then has sort of drifted over the last two years, is he thinking that if he goes and plays for a year, he's not going to get a better deal because there'll be more names in free agency again next year. So will he want to try and cash in now? But, and thinking that he could take a two, three-year deal now and he'll still be 27, 28 when he re- hits free agency again. So he can get that kind of extra big contract, whereas compared to the other wide receivers hitting free agency, they're, they're that much older. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, um, let's wrap up this pod. Let's talk about some deals that um, came in late last night. First of all, Drew Brees retiring wasn't unexpected, although it did drag on for a bit. Uh, longer than we expected and he is now agreed today to go work for NBC Sports and he's going to be doing Notre Dame games and the Olympics and other bits and pieces for NBC so he's not going straight into a Sunday night football booth he's going to be doing other things um, but obviously one of the all-time greats probably didn't get the Lombardis of his uh, that his play, his play and everything deserved, but you know, no doubt, first ballot Hall of Famer. And then we've talked about Taysom Hill as a result. Um, don't be misled. I don't think he's going to be the starter come week one, but he puts himself in the opportunity to win that job. But I wouldn't necessarily assume he's getting that job because he got the deal. Um, let's talk about the Ravens. Uh, we so we t- I kind of teased this deal. So Kevin Zeitler was released. Um, so it meant he was allowed to try and go out and get a deal. And the Ravens have snapped him up to a three-year, $22 million guarantee, uh, $22 million deal, $16 million guaranteed. Thoughts on this for the Ravens? I, I think it's an absolutely incredible deal. I think it's fantastic. You look at them last year, their biggest issue as an offence was the fact that they they had essentially two, well, one below average guard and one horrific guard in terms of their rookie third round. It was quite frankly awful. Um You've now got in. Let's let's not pretend that Kevin Zeitler is, you know, a, an all pro type guard, but he is above average. You can plug and play him for sort of seven, eight million a year, and he's going to give you solid, solid play. It, it's only going to help that entire offense as a whole. I also think that they've been incredibly smart in getting this deal done. A before we get into proper free agency, and and probably Zeitler realised how potentially high the guard market could be, but also. Because, as you said, he was cut. Again, this this contract doesn't count against the compensatory pick formula, which we all know the Ravens love. They do it every year. They seem to get an extra couple of kind of third or fourth round picks because they don't go out and spend money in free agencies. And instead, 
make smart deals like this. I think it's a fantastic move and, and only a positive for them as an offense. Yeah, 100% agree. Good bit of business by them. Last one was Carl Juszczyk, fullback. He got a five-year, $27 million deal from the 49ers. Uh, it's clearly very important to that Shanahan offense. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems ridiculous paying a you know a, a fullback over more than five million a year, but his last contract was essentially that it was four year, twenty one million dollar deal, and and he he was worth every penny. He brings such flexibility to that offense, to that scheme. You know, I, I jotted down here so his snaps last year. So he had played almost three hundred snaps in the backfield. He then lined up as a tight end, 80 snaps in the slot, 60 snaps, out wide receiver, 30 snaps, and then over 80 snaps of special teams. How, how many players in the NFL are lining up over 30 plus snaps in five different positions? It's, you know, he he's a truly unique player that Carl Shanahan knows how how valuable that is. And getting him back, keeping him in-house is is again a fantastic deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last one before I let you go, Rich. Um, predictions for today. Have you heard any noise or seen any chatter or any deals that could get done today? What are you expecting out of the first day of tampering? Any deals or any uh, guesses on on what you might see or what we might see later on? I think that traditionally the first players that get signed aren't always the the kind of the top of the the market studs as such is that sort of second tier that suddenly they get a good offer and they're like, yeah, take it. I think of, is it Trent Brown that went from the Patriots to the Raiders and signed that obscene contract? That was, that was signed within sort of five minutes of legal tampering open, wasn't it? Um, And I wouldn't be shocked if we see somebody like that. Um, You know, perhaps it's someone like, you know, a a Chris Carson or or a James Connor that, that gets the deal done that, you know, maybe a, eight to ten million dollar deal that we're all sitting there scratching our heads but they were offered it and they quickly snapped their hands off i wouldn't expect to see you know those quite frankly top tier studs whether it be any of the pass rushes you named whether it be joe thuny or, or ken golday i don't think those top names will get signed i think it will be the, the sort of second and third tier that get done today yeah i'm with you i i expect to see people like uh, Hassan reddick to get signed today um I always expect to be seeing people like John Johnson might get signed today. Uh, Romeo Aguara might get signed today. You might even see someone like Corey Davis get a deal, maybe Shaquille Griffin. I think you're right. I don't think you're going to get the big dominoes, the Trent Williams, the Bud Dupree's, uh, the Carl Lawson's, the Kenny Golladay's, the Juju's, the Thunies. I can't see those deals getting done today because if you are one of the big names, why would you not go and make your visits and see who's going to actually offer you the big money? You want to see the market set before you take a deal as well. You don't, what you don't want to do is you don't want to take, you know, if you're Kenny Golliday, you don't want to take 20 million a year and then go and see Will Fuller or Juju get, get paid more. And then you're suddenly looking like a bit of an idiot. I think you want that market to be set to know exactly what your worth is and then go and sign that deal. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure. Um, I look forward to doing this with you tomorrow. We're going to have a lot more to talk about, but we hope we set the scene for you all. Um, Rich, where can everyone find you if they're oblivious and be living under a rock and don't know where you're hiding right now? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dynasty Islands. Um, and then there's also the at Five Yard Dynasty um, Twitter handle as well. Uh, and then obviously I do the weekly Dynasty podcast, which I believe is out every Wednesday evening. Yeah, and you're doing wide receivers this week, rookie wide receivers, is that right? Yeah, very excited. You've got um, Mike, um, also known as at Daddy's Home FF, 
um, who's, to be honest, fantastic guy. And yeah, we're doing our, our rookie wide receiver breakdown. Safe to say, I'm I'm a little bit lower on a couple of the big names than uh, than the, the consensus. So um, so it might be a little bit controversial that pod. Well, tune into that one. But before you will you will hear from Rich again. You'll hear from me again tomorrow at lunchtime. Um, we will get these out as quick as possible. I'll be back tonight, um, lucky folks, uh, with stocks, and we're going to go through some more. Well, the window will be open then, so we'll be talking live about some of the deals that are dripping in, um, and we'll probably make some predictions as to what our team's doing, and then we're either going to look great or foolish depending on how the week gets. But uh, until later on today, and then for the rest of the week, don't forget keep brushing. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.